Our first vaccine lottery winner was announced yesterday, a newly retired educator from down uh, in the southern part of the province, $1 million. Uh, we know those campaigns were brought in to try and get people to ramp up, uh, rolling up of the sleeve. We're doing pretty well, if you take a look at it. I think, I'm not sure what the numbers are. It's about 73%, I think, for the first dose, and somewhere around 45% for fully vaccinated. So, um, you know, we've got some very vocal people in the province, people who think they know something that the rest of us are too dumb to figure out. Um, as, as misinformed as that may be, the good news is there's very few of them overall, right? Uh, it's a very, very small minority that gets a whole lot of attention and makes a lot of noise, but most people um, don't go along with it. Um, don't believe me? As I said, just look at the vaccines. Alberta and Canada among the world leaders in vaccine uptake. About three-quarters of the population nationally. Um, we're doing well. So the enthusiasm is there, and at least to this point, it has been pretty good, but... Will it last? Uh, let's chat with Curtis Fraser now, who is a graduate student of history at the University of Guelph. Good morning, Curtis. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning, Shay. Thanks for having me. This is a really interesting discussion, and I like this where you sort of take a look back at previous instances that are kind of similar and see if we can learn anything from it. So, um, you know, the the enthusiasm right now, or at least, let's say, even a couple of weeks ago, was really, really good in Canada, right? People were, were gung-ho to get vaccinated. Oh, absolutely. But we're seeing it slow down, and we've seen what happened in the United States and things like that. We know that that enthusiasm wanes, and we run up against some resistance. So let's take a look at a couple of, you know, there's previous examples we can look at. Let's start with the polio example. Um, Similar, a very, very serious situation, of course, that it was life-threatening for a lot of people. How did Canadians respond to that when the vaccine first showed up? Were they eager to get the shot then? Well, when the polio vaccine was introduced, there was definitely a lot of approval from Canadians generally. Uh, very little resistance um, from uh, from public health officials and and, and parents alike. Um, but as as vaccine approval was definitely the case in those in in, in the polio epidemic, um, getting the vaccine to younger Canadian adults proved to be a bit more of a challenging. Uh, Thing to do. Uh, the vaccine program took off uh, among school-aged children, um, and I think by the end of 1957, about uh, closing in on like 90% total vaccination for, for school children. Yet by 1959, there was uh, only about 10% of Canadian adults had, had received the polio vaccination, despite um, it being available for about four years. Um, so we noticed during that epidemic that there's there's various reasons why people chose not to become vaccinated. A lot of people thought that they couldn't get infected with the disease. A lot of people resisted for um, out of fear of, of of actually getting needles. Um, so so there were there are definitely a few factors during the the polio um, years that that influenced vac- vaccination. Um, actually getting vaccinations. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a, a, a straight line, obviously. Things sort of went up and down. Now, the other similarity with polio is the fact that, you know, it required multiple doses, too. It wasn't a one-shot-and-you're-done kind of a thing. Um, I think there's a lot of people worried that, you know, we're seeing that discrepancy between first shot and second shot. Does it get harder, you know, once things get a little bit easier to get people to continue through with the campaign? Oh, absolutely. What we noticed um, was that the first shot's there was definitely a higher percentage of, of adults getting those those first shots during the polio uh, yeah. years. But getting the full course of, of those three vaccinations, that's where you started to see some some issues. Um, a lot of uh, I think a lot of Canadians were also just not unsure of, of the, the 
the fact that they needed that that full three three courses of, of vaccination. Um, so so yeah, that's that's definitely a challenge that we've that we've started to see a little bit yep. during COVID nineteen as well. So I mean, when we take a look at polio, and obviously overall the campaign was wildly successful. We don't talk about polio very often, if at all, anymore in this part of the world. Um, one that was more recent, and I and I don't think the uptake was quite as high. H one N one. You know that happened. You know within the last. 10, 15 years, and that was a big story at the time. What was the vaccination rate like for H1N1 in Canada? So vaccination rate was somewhere between like 40 to 45% of Canadians. Uh, when, the, when the vaccine was actually introduced, I think only about a third of Canadians polled showed that they'd actually be willing to take the H1N1 vaccine, which was quite interesting um, in contrast to COVID-19 being the, uh, the pandemic that preceded uh, this, this current one that we find ourselves in. And, um, yeah, I think uh, the reason why the, the, the enthusiasm was particularly low is because H1N1 was uh, not, not as fearful as, as COVID-19 or, or other previous pandemics uh, had been in Canada. So I think uh, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of fear among Canadians of, of, of contracting H1N1. Um, so that kind of played into it a little bit, too. Um- so basically the takeaway then is if it's right in your face and it's an imminent health threat, people obviously are more motivated to get the shot. But once the quote unquote crisis passes, things start to tail off a little bit. Is that the overall assessment here? Oh, absolutely. We, we, we saw that during um, polio where uh, people who had resisted earlier appeals to become vaccinated. Um, there's, there's a large outbreak in Montreal in, in 1959. Mm-hmm. This is about four years after the, the vaccine was available. Um, and we noticed uh, in that year, people absolutely swarmed vaccination clinics because they were uh, there's this renewed fear among uh, younger adults that they could actually catch polio. Um, so Similarly to H1N1, I think uh, when when case counts started to rise during that second wave that hit in the, the fall of 2009, um, that's when vaccines became available as well. And that's when we started to see uh, see an uptick in, um, in vaccinations. Was there anything else, like we see these vaccine lotteries and things like that that are being implemented all around the world to try and get people to increase the vaccine rate. Was anything like that tried with these other ones? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because um, during polio, uh, they introduced a new type of vaccine in the early 60s. It was, it was known as like the Sabin vaccine, and it was an oral one that you took on a sugar cube as mm-hmm. opposed to an injection into your arm. So those people that were a little bit maybe hesitant of getting needles showed up in swarms to get these uh, uh, oral polio vaccinations. So you, so you see maybe different types of um, uh, enticements that, that prompt people to actually get the vaccine that had resisted earlier appeals. Right. Um, maybe not similar incentivization as you've seen um, during, uh, you know, the recent months of uh, vaccine lotteries yeah. and, and, you know, giving away tickets and things like that. Um, but yeah, d- definitely diff- different sort of uh, reasons why people chose to get vaccines during those years than, than now. So it's movable, just like now. You can you can motivate people who seem to have lost interest. It seems it seems to be the case for sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're not as steadfast as you thought. Uh, great discussion. Thanks so much for joining us this morning, Curtis. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. That is Curtis Fraser, who is a graduate student of history at the University of Guelph.